welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. We are beginning a new sermon series for the next three weeks, and you want to go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and then in a little bit, we will flip over to 1 Samuel chapter 19. So those are our two scripture passages we're going to be looking at this morning. This is a sermon series on something a lot of times we don't think about in our Bibles, but it's about the spiritual advisors to King David. King David was the greatest of all of Israel's king. And the switch from Saul, who was from the house of Benjamin, which was the tribe, one of the twelve tribes, then to, to... so the Lord rejected Saul, and then the Lord chose David, and he's from the tribe of Judah there in Bethlehem. That shifted the lineage that all of a sudden the king, you know, the Bible prophecy talked about how Jesus was going to come from the lineage of Judah. Well, initially at the Bible, when, when God chose Saul, that was right off the bat. He's a Benjaminite. He's not from the tribe of Judah. But because the Lord, he disobeyed the Lord, the Lord rejected King Saul, and then the Lord chose David, that all of a sudden set up the scenario for Jesus. His lineage came through David. And that was the change that was made. And we're going to see that this morning here. And it's important for us because we're going to see how David was someone who... Throughout his life, he was the king of Israel for 40 years. And he had three different spiritual advisors. The Bible calls these men prophets. They were also called seers. And that's S-E-E-R, seers. Now, some of you think, Daniel, a seer, that's someone who's a fortune teller and can see the future. Yes, that's true, but they're also in the Bible. A seer could be also someone that could tell you what God is going to do in the future for you to listen. And we see that David had a seer who spoke truth to, to his life about that. The three men we're going to be looking at these next three weeks were Samuel. Well, that's who we're going to see today. Next week, we're going to be looking at Nathan. Samuel anointed Jesus, or not Jesus, anointed David. Nathan rebuked David. And the third one, a lot we don't know about, is Gad. Gad is a prophet or a seer who came and he guided David. Later on in life, he needed guidance through some challenging decisions he had to make. In every single example, David has these men who in many ways are uh, they're speaking directly to the king very boldly, but David listened to these men. They were speaking into his life and he took that counsel from the Lord. And God blessed him for listening to these men. It might not have been what he wanted to hear, but it's what God wanted him to know. And there's a difference. If we are always in an echo chamber of just people who are telling us what we want to hear, we will not always know what God wants us to know. And you and I, we need godly people in our life who's going to speak truth to us and guide us down the path. I'll give a couple of examples. 
let's see, when you're a 17-year-old, if you know any 17-year-olds right here right now, you get two things in the mail. You get every Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, they are mailing you stuff every single day to join the service. If you're 17, that's what you get in the mail. The other thing, if you're 17, what you receive is every college in America will send you promotional material for you to go to that college. If you're 17, you'll check the mail tomorrow and you'll get some promo of why you need to go to that school and spend thousands of dollars and how the happy people and the pictures and it's perfect for you and they have every major possible for you to select what you want to study. And what happened, I, I think, I was called to, called to be a pastor when I was 16 years old and when I was 17, you know, I was looking at what college am I going to go to? What, what path am I going to go down? So it's because I'm getting bombarded by all this information from all these different places. And I remember I had a Sunday school teacher t- tell me, he says, Dan, if you want, if you're, if you're going to be a Baptist pastor, you need to go to a Baptist college and then a Baptist seminary, and all your education needs to be in Southern Baptist life. And then you go serve a Southern Baptist church. And he was right. I mean, it's just that was the steps of of, of logic that would make sense for someone who's called to be a Baptist minister with that. And I, that's what I did. I, just, I followed his advice. And that gentleman spoke truth into my life saying, this is where you should go if, if this is what God has called you to do. I'll give you another example of somebody uh, who spoke truth in my life. I became a pastor when I was 26 years old. And um, right there in Georgia, I was at this church and... I had a gentleman named Howard. Uh, he's now well in his 80s. But Howard was uh, someone who was uh, a, a wonderful blessing to me, but he was also very firm, if you know what I mean. He told you what you wanted, not what you wanted to hear, what he's going to just tell you, so the, what he wants you to know and what the Lord wants you to know. So um, one day, you know, I hadn't been in the church long, and I try to be a positive guy, so I always want to have a smile on my face, be very affirming to folks. And people would come up to me and they would have prayer requests and they would have very serious things in their life. Well, I would be sitting there listening to them with a big smile. I'm like, yeah, just smile along, nod along, just because you're a friendly guy. You want people like you. I mean, you always, you always want to, yeah, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, absolutely. And after a few months, I guess, of doing this, Howard pulls me aside and says, Dan, when people are telling you a prayer request, and they're telling you something very serious, you don't need a big goofy smile on your face doing that with a giant grin. It just doesn't look right. Like I know you're trying to be nice, but it, just, it doesn't fit the conversation of what you're talking about. And you know, when you hear something like that, I mean, he, and he said it in a very firm way, because Howard was a firm man, it corrects you. You need people in your life that will point things out to you that you might not like it when you first hear it, but a lot of times you step back, and that gentleman Howard, usually about 98, 99% of the time, he was right. He might not have always liked what he said, but he would speak very truthfully and bluntly to you, and usually he knew what he was talking about. And this passage we're going to see, this next three weeks, David needed that. David was a godly man. Yet he had these prophets and seers that they came to him and they spoke to him very boldly. He was the king of Israel, most powerful man on earth. And these guys just busted in his chamber saying, this is what the Lord has to say. 
And whether you like it or not, that's up, I don't care. This is what God wants you to know. And we need people like that in our life. We need a country of Samuels. We need to be asking the Lord to raise up men and women who are like Samuel. Who are, Samuel was the last judge in the Bible. He, of the judges period, he ended it. And then it started the king period with, when he anointed Saul. And we need a, 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 a bunch of people, an army of people in this nation, who are like Samuel, who seek after and live by what the Lord says. Because what Samuel is about to do in this passage we're going to read, this would have warranted him being killed. Samuel had a unique life. His mother was Hannah. She wanted to have a baby. and Most Bible scholars think she prayed for 19 years to have a child. In her older age, she finally had a child. And she prayed to the Lord. She would come to the altar and weep. She never gave up praying. And she would pray for a baby. And finally, the Lord opened her womb and she had a child. She had made a promise to God. says, God, if you give me a child, I'll give the child back to you. Meaning, he can serve you in the temple. He can be a, he can be a pastor. He can be a prophet. So the Lord got opened up Hannah's womb. She had a baby. So she goes to Eli and says, Eli, I've had this baby. So Eli, who's the priest at the time of the temple, he did not want a baby baby. So like you won't, you, you know, they don't want to raise infants in the nursery. So when Samuel was about three or four years old, after he had been weaned, and he was a little guy, preschool age, she gave this little one to, to Eli, the priest. And the Bible actually says that Eli, even as a preschooler, he worshiped the Lord. So Eli was learning from a preschool age about how to worship the Lord and how about lead. And God called Eli as a young man to be a judge. And he was a phenomenal judge. And what we're going to see right here, Samuel, Samuel was this judge who rose up, got called by God, and he was told by the Lord to go anoint a new king. And the, the first king of Israel was named Saul. Saul disobeyed the Lord. The Lord would tell Saul what to do, and he could not do it. He just wouldn't do it for whatever reason. And the Lord rejected Saul because of his disobedience. And then he came, here we're about to pick up the passage, he, the Lord came to Samuel again and says, Samuel, it's now time to anoint a new king because I have rejected the man who's currently in place because he did not obey me. And that's where we pick up and that's where we finally meet David. So you're in your Bibles here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul? Samuel is mourning. He's sad because the man whom he first ordained as king had been rejected. And he would just sit there and mope and, and experience grief because he thought, I'm responsible for this. How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected for myself a king from his sons. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. Now, Saul was a jealous, firm man. He was already trying, he was very envious of his reign. He's always worried he was going to lose it. So if he finds out that Samuel, the prophet for the country, goes out and anoints a new king, first thing Saul's going to do is go kill Samuel and then kill the new king. Because he's very jealous. 
And Samuel, but Samuel knew, if this is what God told me to do, I've got to do it. And he says, God says, because he's worried about dying, latter part of verse 2, the Lord answered, take a young cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. So God is making the decision. God is leading these men. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. When the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, you come in peace. So normally the, the main prophet of the country does not show up in little Bethlehem. They're shaking. They're thinking, oh no, this would be something bad. Judgment. They're upset. And then Samuel says, in peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointing one is here before you. But the, but the Lord said to Samuel, So Eliab is a tall man. This is the firstborn of Jesse. Jesse has eight sons. He's going to bring up seven to get to the feast, to the sacrifice. So Eliab would naturally be the firstborn of Jesse. Samuel would think, this is going to be the one. He's tall, he, he's, he's, just, he's a warrior type. You know, surely God would select this man. But look what God says to Samuel. And this is what we need to know. But the Lord, Verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. What that means is Samuel's looking on the outside. You see the visible, but God sees inside of Eliab's heart. God sees inside of our heart. God sees inside of our children and grandchildren's heart. He knows what's, what they're really about. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, are these all the sons you have? Meaning, I just went through seven sons and God said, no, 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 no. And he, Samuel's standing there thinking, is this it? Surely there's got to be some extra bonus children around here somewhere. You know any extra children you've had? Jesse, that we can parade up here? Because God keeps saying no to these children. And we know God told him to go to Bethlehem to anoint the new king, but he keeps saying this is not right. So he, he asks this question, is this all you have? And then Jesse, David's father, says, there is still the youngest, he answered, but right now he's tending the sheep. David was so young, this guy's like 13 or 14 years old. He didn't get invited to the sacrifice. He's still in the pasture with the sheep. He didn't get an invitation to come to the party. But he's tending the sheep, Samuel told Jesse. Send for, send, or Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy handsome appearance so this is a handsome young man a good-looking guy little David little teenager at this point and the Lord said to Samuel anoint him for he is the one so Samuel standing here in front of a teenager 
in Bethlehem, and he's anointing this little boy with, with the horn's oil to be the next king of Israel, while there's a current king who already is on the throne in, in Jerusalem. So he's anointing him in the presence of his brothers. And look at this. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. So in the presence of his family, his brothers witnessed this. All the little town of Bethlehem. See this? And the town of Bethlehem was a dinky little town. And then they're witnessing this event. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. And it says, from that day forward, it comes upon him. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. That means that's where his home was. He went home. And it was one of these events where he just receives an anointing and it's kind of like, I just became the king of Israel and I'm just going to go back to the pasture. Like, is that it? I just got oil poured on my head. I was told by the prophet that I'm, I'm going to be the next king in front of everyone. And then everybody just goes back to where they need to go. And for us, when we see the word anointing, obviously today we don't go around pouring oil from a ram's horn on people's head. But I think the anointing for us, what would be, is if you know, and here we are, this is where you being a spiritual advisor comes in. If you know of a child, if you have a child or a grandchild or a family member, a young person, and they do not know Jesus, the anointing they need to receive is they need to receive Jesus as their Savior. They need to give their life to Christ. That's an anointing today where a person cries and calls out and says, I'm giving my heart, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I was hearing a story about uh, someone recently who's here in church telling me about their daughter who's in her 40s got baptized. She's 40. And the mother had been praying for 20 years for her salvation. So what happened, the daughter went off to college, and when she was about 20 years old, she just wandered away from her Christian faith. But mama started praying for her to be saved, praying for her daughter to come to know the Lord. And it was 20 years later, mama, 60 years old, and a 40-year-old daughter got saved. And that's a powerful story for us. Because you think about people like Hannah, who prayed for a son, and it was year 19 that she received Samuel. What if she had quit after 15 or 16 years? What if you give up praying for your family member, or your son or daughter, who's maybe not where they need to be? They're not here. They are rebelling against the Lord. We pray people to Christ. That's, that's what the anointing is. You're praying for someone you know who's far from God, who hasn't met the Lord. Maybe they're a young person, they haven't gotten saved yet. You want them to have the same experience David had. He was chosen by the Lord. And we want our family and people we know to be chosen for salvation. And that comes through us praying fervently for them to receive Christ. The way for someone to get saved is usually when someone walks this aisle and gives their life to Christ, they've had an army of people for years who've been praying for them to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And they realize, I need to get saved. I need to be anointed. I need to be part of the family of God. 
But there's so much work on the back end that many times we don't ever hear or even know about and we won't know about until we get to heaven. That's the powerful story we see here of Samuel obeying the Lord and anointing this young man who's going to be next. But you know, whenever someone gets saved, whenever someone gets anointed, they're going to have problems. And sure enough, the problems didn't take very long for David. Flip over in your Bibles. Last scripture passage we're going to read here in chapter 19. David at this point, he fights off Goliath. Then because he beat Goliath, King Saul said, whoever kills this giant, and Goliath was nine feet, six inches tall, tallest man who's ever lived. And King Saul said, whoever defeats Goliath will receive my daughter Miguel in marriage. Well, even then, Saul didn't want to give away his daughter to David. He was very envious and jealous of David. So he said, before you marry my daughter, you need to go kill 100 Philistines. Well, David went and killed 200. Because the Spirit of the Lord was upon David. And then Saul becomes even more and more jealous of David. So he begins to want to kill David. And one day they're they're at a dinner, and Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Saul told his son Jonathan, he says, where's David at? He's not here at dinner tonight. I want to go kill him. He said, go, go bring him to me. So that word got out. Jonathan went and told Miguel, David's wife. And then Dave, Miguel let David out the back door, so he runs away. Saul sends these agents to show up to kill David, and he's gone. So then he's going to go run away from Saul's presence. So young David, by this point, is probably like 19, 20 years old. He's still a young man. And Saul, the king of Israel, is trying to kill him. Where would David go if he's running from Saul? You know where he went? He went to the man who anointed him three chapters earlier. He went to Samuel. And that's where we're going to pick up right here. When David was in trouble, when he needed protection, when he needed some guidance... He went to his spiritual advisor. Look at verse 18. 1 Samuel 19, 18. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him everything Saul had done to him. That everything was, he was trying to be killed. Then he and Samuel left and stayed at Naoth. Naoth is right next to Ramah. So they left and they went and stayed in this other little town. When it was reported to Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent agents to seize David. However, when they saw the group of prophets prophesying with Samuel, prophesying meaning they'd be praising God. It's like a worship service. So Saul's agents show up, and they basically walk into a worship service. And Samuel's leading the worship service. The Spirit of the God came on Saul's agents. And they also started prophesying, so they joined in with the worship service. And got filled with the Holy Spirit. When they reported to Saul, he sent other agents. And they also began prophesying. So Saul tried again and sent a third group of agents. And even they began prophesying. So Saul is sending these people, to these soldiers, to go arrest David in a church service. But they walk in the church service, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they'd all start prophesying and join in the worship. So every, all these Saul's agents, they're up on the stage, they've all become choir members. And they're supposed to be killing David. Yet they're now worshiping with David. 
So you see how the Lord is using Samuel and his ability of being a prophet having a worship service to protect David. Samuel is providing protection from David. But the Lord is the one who's actually doing it. Because the Lord is with David. The Lord is with Samuel. Saul's plans are all being frustrated because God has rejected him. So finally, look what Saul decides to do. So Saul himself went to Ramah. This is where, where they're at. He came to a large cistern at Siku and asked, where is, where is Samuel and David? At Naoth and Ramah, someone said. So he went to Naoth and Ramah, and look at this. The Spirit of God also came on him, and he walked along. He prophesied until he entered Naoth and Ramah. So Saul began prophesying. He's joining the worship service. Saul then removed his clothes and also prophesied before Samuel. So now he's taking his clothes off. He's so excited. This is the king of Israel. He collapsed and lay naked all that day and all that night. That is why they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Saul wasn't really known to be a religious man, yet here he is showing up at this church service. He's so excited. Church, he's stripped naked, and he's laying on the ground prophesying, saying, why is God doing this? God is showing to Saul, you are working against me. He's making a fool of the king. You are trying to kill the very one I have chosen. So Saul, because you've showed up to kill little David, and likely Samuel too, I'm going to make you become a, start prophesying, rolling on the ground, you're going to take off all your clothes, you'll have no control. So when you come to your senses, you'll realize how foolish this is. That's what God is teaching Saul at this point. He's getting his attention. You see, this is the protection that David came under Samuel's house which is God's house, and you see the presence of the Lord was doing all these people who showed up to arrest David and Samuel, they couldn't do it. When David needed help, he ran to the spiritual advisor. He ran to the one who helped him the most. And I think a lot of times in our life, when we, and we, for us it might not be that someone's trying to kill us. That might be a little extreme. For us, our help we might need is we need a we're about to make a big decision or we need help handling a situation or we don't know how to talk to this person we need guidance in what to do and this is where you go to your spiritual advisor who would be a spiritual advisor your pastor maybe your uh, youth pastor your contemporary worship pastor your sunday school teacher maybe a godly friend at work who loves the lord your parents your grandparents People who love the Lord and who have your best interests at heart, they are who can give you godly wisdom. <clears throat> How do we apply this today? We are here, and all the time, we are either going to give advice, spiritual advice, or we're going to receive it. And whenever we receive it, we need to be open that God is using this person to speak truth into my life and god has chosen many ways to speak to us prayer reading of the bible and then also through people and those people a lot of times come at church you come to church god uses someone else to speak to you you come here and the lord has a message it might always come through the pulpit it might just be in a conversation down in the fellowship hall it might be somebody pull you aside and say brother i'm praying for you i just want you to know you've been on my mind today I have learned you can say 
anything you want to someone if you say it in a kind, encouraging way. If you aren't hateful and vindictive about it, you, if you have their best interests at heart, you can give it a word. It might even be a hard word, but you do it in a kind way and they can receive it. You can't control how someone receives it. Our only responsibility is to share what God wants us to share with others. But you're not doing it because you're a know-it-all. You're not doing it because you know you're more spiritually mature. You're doing it because you want, you want what is best in their life. And you're directing them down a path. So how can we advise someone spiritually? You regularly pray for them. Do you have people in your life whom you regularly pray for? That mother who saw her 40-year-old daughter get saved and baptized, mama had been praying for her. Hannah was praying for her future son, Samuel. She had no clue he'd be the greatest judge of all the judges of Israel. He'd be the one who would anoint Saul and David as king. But she was pleading for his life. There should be people in our life regularly we are praying for. Your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, maybe people at work, people to get saved. You don't even have to tell them you're praying for them. They are on your prayer list and you're praying for them. Number two, you help other people by discerning God's will. A lot of people just want to know. They make big decisions. All these graduates that are up there, you know, they are facing a life of decisions. Any young person, that's all it is. If you, if you see anybody under 30, think about all the decisions people under 30 have to make. Who to marry, what to be when you grow up. A lot of people still wonder, what am I going to be when I grow up? Where am I going to work at? Where am I going to live? Uh, who are my friends going to be? What, what are my hobbies going to be? Which church am I going to go to? How am I going to be involved in church? I mean, these are massive decisions that shape the rest of your life. And every person under 30 needs someone fervently praying for them and helping them discern God's will. And that's why some of us as maybe long-time Christians, we're the ones that are faithfully saying, you know, have you considered this? Have you looked at this option? Have you been praying about maybe God opening this door with this person? All these graduates here should have an army of people praying for them, helping them discern what is next in my life. How sad would it be to have us a person who doesn't have someone in their life daily praying for them. And that's what we do. If you want to be a spiritual advisor, you are praying and helping other people discern God's will. And not only that, you speak biblical truth into their life, not what they want to hear. I'm a people pleaser. It's easy to be a people pleaser. But the danger of being a people pleaser is you can just tell people what they want to hear. But that's not what God wants them to know. We want people to know what God wants them to know. And sometimes that's not what they want to hear at all. It's what the Bible says. You want people to know this is what the Bible says. This is how you should handle this situation. This is what God would want you to do. And that can be a difficult conversation, but it's a conversation that must happen. David had these type of conversations. People spoke truth into his life, not what he wanted to hear. And not only that, you set an example for other people by godly living. If you're trying to advise someone spiritually and you are not living for the Lord, they're going to look at your life and go saying, 
sir, why are you telling me I need to go to church? You, you don't even go to church. You don't go to Sunday school. You don't read your Bible. Like you, that, that's what the Bible calls hypocrisy. You're, you're encouraging someone to do something that you yourself don't even do. And we live a godly life. Then we, we take that godly life and we help shape other people to live godly lives discerning God's will. We need Samuels in our life. David needed Samuel. Samuel anointed David. That's his salvation. That would be salvation for us. He was chosen by the Lord. God was letting him know, you are a special child. God has great plans for you, young David. Just like all these young people today, and all the people down in children's church, God has a wonderful, great plan for the children. The children that come next month to VBS, God has a plan for them. It's not by accident. God wants to do something with their life. And knowing that, when David was in trouble, he provided, Samuel provided, protection from Saul. Saul was trying to kill him and the, came under the house of Samuel and God made all these people who were trying to kill people, he made them prophets all of a sudden. And they started prophesying. They weren't allowed to touch Samuel and David. And that same protection and that same anointing is what we provide to other people through our spiritual advice. So this, this morning I ask you, who do you need to be praying for? Who do you needing to be help discerning God's will? Who do you need to be speaking biblical truth of what God wants them to know? And who do you need to set an example for godly living? We give mentorship. We give spiritual advice in a kind, thoughtful, compassionate way. Yet also in our half, we also receive it. And every time David received it, he was open to change. He was rebuked. He repented and trusted the Lord. And we respond the same way David does. God, I pray for all the folks here this morning. I pray that we will see the power of a spiritual advisor. There's all sorts of people in our life whom you bring in our life to speak truth to what we need to know. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for these graduates and the wonderful blessing to be able to come here and observe the Lord's Supper, remembering your death remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for being able to come and worship you just like Samuel did. He was a man after your own heart. And David saw that and he continued it on. And he was known as a man after God's own heart because he was mentored and led by Samuel. Lord, I pray this invitation that we will boldly respond. Lord, I'm, I'm sure there's many people here who need to follow in believer's baptism. And they, we will... They need to walk forward, and then we will get baptized in two weeks. Lord, there's folks here that need to join our wonderful church. There's folks here that need to receive the anointing that Samuel anointed David. Lord, if there's folks here that need to walk this aisle and respond boldly to you, I pray this morning they will do so. Lord, we give you this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite all of you to stand up. We're going to close our service with an invitation to respond to God. Zach Bauer is going to come up front right here with me. I'll be standing up front. You come take our hand and say, Pastor, I'm ready to make this decision and follow Jesus this morning.